0: Welcome back everyone to another episode as we close out our celebration of women's history month. Today, we are speaking with Julia rock. I've been looking forward to this conversation. If you really think about it, it's about a three year in the making here. Julia is a career transition coach for athletes. She's a speaker and a LinkedIn top voice in sports. She has coached corporate professionals, to career success for 15 plus years and now helps athletes to translate their existing skills into high-paying in-demand careers julia welcome to the show
1: thank you so much i'm so glad to be here i've been waiting for this like i've been like all day like on it like i can't wait to talk
0: <laughs> well i'm so appreciative and folks we will be speaking about making a career transition. And if you are considering such a thing, this is the episode you want to listen to because Julia's going to share a lot of great information today. But before we get into that, Julia, tell us a little bit about you.
1: Thank you so much, Enrique. So talking a little bit about me. So as you mentioned, I'm a career transition coach and and I own Rock Career Development. And through our organization, we're really focusing on helping folks in career transitions, Um, especially when it comes to athletes after a life of sports. You know, they may not know what's next. And so having this opportunity to help guide them to new careers, a fresh start after sports, knowing that they can still pursue something fulfilling um, is just exciting work to do a little bit about my background. So coaching corporate professionals, I've learned so much about what it takes to get into a variety of industries. And so that's why I was really excited of taking this expertise and helping um, and helping athletes. And then, you know, the other thing is I'm a corppreneur. So I tell people I maintain full-time work uh, and run my business, um, you know, so I work in accounting management. And so, uh, so being able to juggle both, it's an interesting exercise, but I'm just passionate about, uh, helping people to achieve their career goals,
0: and that's amazing. We were talking before the episode went to record that we've known each other for over three years. I've been delighted to see and track your journey. You know, back from when you were in the deep south to now you are out of country in a in a different country and still thriving, still doing what you have just mentioned that you're doing and still helping people transition into lucrative careers. I was fortunate to do something similar as a career counselor in the Navy for 15-plus years as well, so I know the dynamic behind trying to find something else to do, and many people will find themselves in that predicament. So as we're talking about that actual move, What are your suggestions as to how to structure a career move? Because fear is one thing that will show up.
1: So the thing about fear is people are afraid because they don't know what to do. Right. So you have this idea of I want to make this next step. And it's like, well, what do I do next? So you get afraid because you have no idea what to do. So when it comes to structuring a career move, it's about developing a plan. But before you get to that, you want to think about, why do i want to make this move and what do i want to do right so so when it comes to career transitions being very intentional and clear on what you want to do next is very, very important. And sometimes that may require upfront therapy, uh, personal evaluation, because for people, whether it's in the military, whether it's in a toxic workplace, whether it's athletes, that sense of loss and feeling of loss of identity and other things can plague your ability and can cloud your judgment as to thinking of what's next. So taking that upfront time to get clear, to get mentally well is important. Um, And then you can determine, well, what do I want to do and why is this important to me? Uh, The next thing I would say when it comes to structuring a career move is thinking about what's really important to you from a value perspective. Because when you're going into a new career move, you have to think about what environment works well for me. Um, You know, how much money do I want to make? What kind of people do I want to be around? You know, what work-life balance am I looking for? Because you don't want to move into a career that's going to take you into the same thing you just left or, or make you uncomfortable. So you want to make sure that the career move is a fit for you, not that you're a fit for the career, right? So, so taking that time to structure it around you and understand what your values are. Uh, the next step I would say is really around research. So part of what part of why people get afraid is is like. It's the fear of the unknown as well. What is on the other side? So doing this research to better understand what kind of roles do I want to get into? What are those roles like? What are the companies like? What's the industry like? Taking the time to kind of soak up that knowledge and not just, you know, Googling, talking to real people in the industry, doing the job every day uh, so that you can get some real context around, hey, is this really going to fit for me? Yes or no? Um, and so, and then one of the last things I'll say about the move is positioning your personal brand. Uh, what happens is if you, let's say you're transitioning, let's go to the military example, right? If if people just know, Hey, this is, uh, you know, I was in the military, but you're now looking for a sales role or, or marketing or something, you have to be able to position a new personal brand that says, Hey, this is my military background, but this, is, these are the skills I want to transfer into this new industry. This is what makes me a good fit for this new opportunity. Um, So positioning your personal brand around those transitional skills or transferable skills into that new uh, career move is gonna be critically important. Um, And then the last thing I'll say is advocate for yourself when it comes to a career move, you've got to be willing to speak on your own behalf, right? Just, you know, applying online is not going to get you there. You've got to be willing to take interviews, have conversations with people you don't know, ask questions, you know, that you may not, that may feel like dumb questions, but do all you can to speak up for yourself and get as much information as you need so that you can get that career move that you're looking for.
0: Wonderful advice as to structuring that. And as you will detailing those, I was like, yes, yes, yes. So important. But you said something early on uh, that's just as equally important. You said the difference between you being a right fit for the job and it being a right fit for you. And that takes two different roads. And so now, caveating or piggybacking off of that comment, What's the difference between a career and just a job?
1: Yeah, so so the way that I like to think about it is, you know, a job is what you do to pay the bills right? You've got to, you know, the electric bill is due and rent's due on the first. So you got to get it done because you got to pay these bills, but there may not be any true kind of career vision behind that or long-term vision. When I think about a career, it's a, it's an actual journey towards your long-term professional goals. So if there's some strategic moves that are being made, strategic opportunities you're willing to take on, and there's a thoughtful process behind why I'm taking each of these roles versus a job. You may just hop from industry to industry, you know, no kind of, you know, common thread or theme. It's just about, hey, I just need to do what I need to do to pay the bills. And so that's why I talk about career transitions is because, Um, When you think about making that career move, it's important for you to think about what are my goals now? Where do I see myself? What does success look like to me? And picking the roles that will help you to achieve that versus just saying, I got to get a job. Let me just get paid. That helps in the short term. But if you really want to increase your earning potential, if you really want to feel fulfilled, you've got to make strategic career moves and not just hop to jobs.
0: Absolutely. And we all have our calling in life. There's something that is fit for us. It is right down our alley and we will have nothing but joy to do as we're doing it. Sometimes that does not come with hopping to one job after another just to pay a financial obligation. Now, as we're trying to navigate what it is that You know, and earlier you said, find that why, and it leads you to your what, right? And there are certain things that are required if you're trying to go into a particular career field, and those are around, like, the education requirements and certifications. How would you approach that element of a career move uh, for those that are trying to get into something different?
1: Yeah, so I'll say this when it comes to education and certifications. I think sometimes companies put wish lists out there, right? They want you to have a laundry list of things. They want you to have 20 years of experience and, you know, 14 different certifications like this is an entry level job. <laughs> what do I need this? Right? So so I think the first thing is to do your due diligence um but also thinking about that research and talking with people in the industry really understanding that saying hey i see that this is required on the jobs descriptions that I'm seeing, do you think that this is essential? Because some places will say, no, honestly, this will set you apart. You should definitely go get it. Other places would say, it's a nice to have, it may set you apart, but it's not a, a showstopper. The reason why I'm leery about um, education and certifications is because if you're trying to make a career transition and you don't have a ton of money to pursue all the certifications in the world, um you know, then you may not be able to go back and get all those things. And also it can help deter you from making a career move that may be good for you. So it's really important for you to really do that assessment as to, okay, you know, if I want to go do project management, it's likely that I need to go get a PMP certification, right? But if if it's more of a project coordinator role where it's a, that's something I can work up to, I can maybe get my foot in the door now, gain some experience and then get the PMP maybe in parallel, for example. So I, I really, Really advise for folks to do the due diligence on what's required and not just what's on the paper, but talking to real people in the industry and looking at the careers of folks who work at the companies that you work at. Do they have those certifications? Um, Because again, companies post wish lists um, and, and they're expecting people to go and get these 14 certifications that they may not even be able to afford. The other thing I'll also mention is that there are some low-cost platforms that people can use, whether it's Udemy, Coursera, some of these other places that have some um, low-cost educational options. Many universities, they also have started to uh, make s- certain courses uh, free or low-cost. So there's an opportunity now to get more education, and maybe you could maybe about a decade ago. So that's an op- that's an option as well if you know that you need those additional things using some of those low-cost platforms um you know maybe maybe helpful as well
0: absolutely and you mentioned pmp and due diligence I, I wholeheartedly agree with due diligence folks you if you are not stepping into that arena to try to find out what actually is required and speaking to people you will spin your wheels because they're uh, let's just say the pmp there is a pmp certification right But there is coursework that you have to do in order to take that certification. Some companies will say, if you have the coursework done, we can entertain this conversation. And so not that they're negating, but to your point, you could do it in parallel post-hire, right? So you have to do that. You have to have those conversations. You have to... Dig in to see what truly is required because you are right, there are plenty of wish lists. Now, those wish lists, those conversations, those that strategy, all that we've covered so far is ultimately leading us to what we would cons- consider the big payoff, right? What the where's the money at? Right? Because people are looking for that and gold. So how do I strategize having all those things in place uh, to set me up for that big pay offer?
1: Yeah, so, so that's where I will say that sometimes the certifications may help because if it's something to set you apart, that's something you could probably negotiate for a higher salary, right? So depending, if they say that this is preferred or 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 if it's part of their wish list, you can say, "Hey, I already have this. I've worked in this field, uh, you know, for a certain amount of time to help set you apart." But when it comes to the pay offer, you want to first also make sure you understand what the industry is paying, right? Because you want to make sure that you're going in with a realistic. Uh, counter offer you should never take the first offer so for those who are listening or watching do not take the first offer they're giving you the lowest offer they can right uh, you know sometimes they sometimes they may have you know budgets and that may be the best offer but in most cases they're giving you what they hope you'll take right and so um, be willing to negotiate but to set yourself up for that negotiation conversation you want to make sure that you understand what is the market kind of average? What, you know, for my level of experience, for my region and so forth, so that you at least have a baseline. Um, And then the next thing is then thinking about what do I bring to the table above the average, right? So do you have those special certifications? Have you worked with a different tier of client in that industry that would set you apart from anyone else that got hired, right? Um, So, so thinking about what sets you apart, because that's how you can then increase uh, the salary offer that, or a salary counter offer that you want to put forward. Um, And so what I would tell folks is don't be shy when it comes to salary right because you know the companies are are willing to give you as low as you will take but you have to understand you know what is it that i am truly what is the value that i bring to this organization and what results have i already delivered that's the other thing is so when i think about preparing for that offer it's like what do i bring to the table where have i already delivered results what accomplishments have i already had and contributions i've made within this space that i can say hey listen you want somebody with six years of experience. I've got eight years of experience, and I've worked with this, this, and this. I've delivered this and this and this in terms of, you know, savings, revenue generation for my previous company. You know, I'd like to come in somewhere along this range. So being able to articulate why you should get more, not just I want more money, is is really
0: key. And as we're talking of having a conversation, it leads us to this next question that I have around the interview because you can do all your planning and hopefully you do. Folks, if you're listening and you're not planning for this thing, you already plan to fail. But if you're doing your due diligence and you're getting the corporate knowledge, the industry knowledge so that you can have a educated conversation with folks and you already know around the ballpark where you want to land financially, all of that is good, but you still have to perform, right? You have to be sitting somewhere in front of somebody from that company and having a conversation, whether it's virtually. Some have moved back to in-person interviews, and that is uh, currently happening. But we all want our clients to have a stellar performance when it comes to that interview. So how do I ensure, what can I do to make sure that that piece of this job hunting career transition comes out to be the best that we can do?
1: Yes. So there's a couple of different things when it comes to interviews. The first thing is to understand the job what is it that you're going after what is it required and and knowing the company as well doing your research because you want to have that context so you don't feel like I'm going in there winging it I don't even really know what this is about or how my skills fit so the first piece is know the job know the company and dedicate time don't just wait till the night before to try to cram it all in and learn everything you possibly can in a 12 to 24 time 12 to 24 hour time frame it's not Going to work, so take the time to know the job and the company. I would then also say take the time to know yourself and know your resume. They're going to ask you questions, and you don't want it to be like, "Yeah, I did that thing that time," and uh," and and you don't you're not able to articulate that. So take the time to really understand. What's on your resume, and then thinking about the accomplishments that support the bullet points, so that you can expand on questions when they say, "Tell me about a time when," or "Can you provide more context on this?" You don't want to fumble. So first, know the company and know the job. Next, know yourself and, and know your resume. And lastly, know the process. So how are they going to, um, you know, how are they going to deliver the interview? Is it a one-on-one? Is it a panel? Is it, you know, is it technical? Interview is it behavioral? Know the process so that you can get prepared for those different styles, and then and then um, proceed to practice. So I tell folks, you know, take the time to whether to record yourself, you know, practice with with you know non biased parties so people can give you realistic feedback and and leverage the process that they say that they're going to use so that you can get comfortable in the setting. The reason why many people fail in interviews is not because they don't know what to say or they don't have the skills. It's a lack of confidence and the lack of ability to convey their value. But when you go through these three steps, it allows you to really get prepared um, and then build that confidence. And then the last thing I'll say is ask thoughtful questions. If you don't listen to anything else I've said today, please do not go into your next interview without any questions. The reason that is so important is because it not only allows the company to see your thought process, to see your interest in the role. It also allows you to ascertain valuable information about them, because as you're going through the interview, they're going to sell you the, Oh, we do this and this and all that kind of stuff. But then when you're able to ask those pointed questions, what's, you know, what's the culture here? Like, why is this job open? Tell me a little bit more about the team structure. Um, um, You you know, what are the milestones I'm expected to reach? You know, where do you see the company going? All of these kinds of pointed questions will help you to understand, hey, is this job a fit for me or not? And then you can make the decision to, to walk away. Um, but I like to tell people to think about it like dating, right? If you go out on a date and, you know, and you're asking all the questions and the person on the other end shows no interest, you're like... Guess this is not a thing. This isn't going anywhere. And companies will feel the same way, right? If you if they, you go into the interview, they ask all the questions, and then they ask you if you have any questions. You're like, nope, I'm good. They're going to say, okay, <laughs> great. We'll let you know, right? So So you want to create that rapport with the organization as
0: well. And that is so key to a true conversation, a converting conversation. When you're talking about interviews, you remind me of a time I was – In my last interview that I ever sat in, their question to me was like, hey, do you have any questions? I said, yes, I do. (laughs) And one of them was I was very interested in the way they would position their workers, their employees for future education. And I had done my due diligence, and I said, based on your strategic plan, who would know that if they didn't do their homework, right?
1: (laughs) Right, right, (laughs) right.
0: Your company states yeah, this, this, that, and, and the other. How are you planning to help me get to my educational goals, given this demand on this particular position? And so they had to answer me, right? And so what I loved about that was that I realized that they did not have a plan. It was all Set on a paper, and I was actually the first person to call him on it. So you you have to be ready for that, and you have to have the the knowledge to be able to have that type of conversation, and then realize, like you just said, Julia, is this really for me? Because if they have no real plans, then maybe I need to go to somewhere that they do.
1: And, and and I think that that's really key because that also helps to take the nervousness out of the interview. Too often when we go into interview, we're, interviews, we're trying so hard for them to like us and we're trying to impress them and say all the right things and do all the right things. But when you go in there and you have pointed, thoughtful questions to ask them, that gives you a position of, of dominance because you're like, Hey, I'm on the same playing field. They're looking at me and I'm looking at them. and We've got to see if we like each other. So it helps to take away that nervousness and gives you that confidence because like you said, if they don't have the plan that I need, the compensation program that I need training, whatever it is, if they don't have the things that I need or the culture, then I need to walk away and find another organization.
0: Folks, this has been such an enlightening conversation with Julia. If you have not gotten anything out of this, I don't know what's going to help you, but I'm sure that somewhere along this conversation you received uh, something that will help you on your journey. Uh, Julia, if they wanted to get a hold of you for specific, now we have sports folks that I'm connected with, There are other people in other executive jobs that are looking for transition and looking for someone to help them. How would they connect with you to get that information?
1: Absolutely. So they can actually reach out to us via uh, our website. So rockcareer.com is an easy way to get in touch with me. Obviously, LinkedIn is a great place for us to to connect as well. Um, But then I'm also on other social media platforms, Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, at the Julia Rock, so they can contact me there as
0: well. Outstanding. And folks, we'll have that information as part of the video and the show notes, so you'll be able to contact and connect with Julia. I want to remind everybody that today's episode is sponsored by Triad Leadership Solutions and Superpass, which are powering our website and app, Southern Sweet and Sassy Coffee, and Harchester, London. And if you've enjoyed this episode and learned something interesting about the topic covered today, make sure to subscribe and let us know by leaving a comment right now. And we're always looking for new ideas and guests that we can add to our show. So if you know someone or have a topic that you would like featured on the podcast or want to sponsor our show, we'd love to hear about it by emailing us at triad leadership Solutions at gmail.com. Be sure to tune in next week for another episode where we dissect leadership from another angle. And as we like to end the show, success to you.